from the Film Society of Lincoln Center, you are listening to The Close-Up. Each week, we bring you in-depth conversations with some of the biggest names in filmmaking. It's November 25th, 2015. I'm Michael Odemark, one of the show's producers. This week, we're featuring director Ryan Coogler, whose latest film, Creed, opens in theaters this weekend. Creed updates the iconic Rocky franchise and stars Michael B. Jordan as Adonis Johnson, the son of boxer Apollo Creed, Rocky Balboa's late friend and former rival. Sylvester Stallone revisits the role of Rocky, who serves as Adonis's trainer and mentor. The film is the brainchild of writer-director Ryan Coogler, who breathes new life into this 40-year-old franchise. In 2013, Coogler stopped by the Film Society for one of our very first free summer talks. His debut film, Fruitvale Station, was among the most buzzed-about releases from that year's Sundance, where it won the Grand Jury Prize. The film is based on the true story of a young African-American man, Oscar Grant, who was fatally shot by police officers at the Fruitvale BART station in Oakland, California. The director joined us just before its theatrical release, and the talk took place at the tail end of the murder trial of George Zimmerman for the shooting of Trayvon Martin in Florida. The Film Society's relationship with Coogler led to our involvement in Blackout Black Friday, a day of boycott organized by Blackout for Human Rights. Now in its second year, Blackout Black Friday encourages people to choose activism over consumerism by organizing events around the country to raise awareness and foster discussion about race-based and class-based human rights violations. Join us on Friday, November 27th at 5 p.m. for a free screening of the documentary Bad Sonia Sanchez, followed by a panel discussion with the renowned poet, as well as filmmakers and activists, and a free concert featuring spoken word and live music. But first, let's go to our talk with Ryan Coogler in 2013, when he joined our deputy director, Eugene Hernandez, to talk about Fruitvale Station's real-life subject matter, its production, and the parallels to the Trayvon Martin case. Hi there, this is Allison Goldberg from the Film Society's fundraising team. I'm here to tell you about Giving Tuesday, a national day of giving created in answer to the success of Black Friday and Cyber Monday. This year, after you've scored some great deals on your holiday shopping, we hope you'll consider donating to the Film Society on Tuesday, December 1st. Your support makes everything we do here possible, from our year-round programming to our educational and artist initiatives. Another way you can help is by spreading the word. Tell your friends about a memorable experience you had here or share one of our posts about Giving Tuesday on social media. For more information, visit filmlink.org slash givingtuesday. I was thinking about uh, earlier today, Ryan, that um, when I met you and we did a podcast interview, it was the second day of Sundance. Uh, the film hadn't even played yet for the public, uh, and now we're talking on the day before your film opens in theaters. So it's uh, it's been quite a ride in six months. Congratulations! Thank you, Eugene. How Th- you feel? Thank you guys for coming. Um, I, I feel uh, happy to see you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, um, doing doing uh, gearing up for a release. You know, I've never done any of this before, and it's it's really rare you see a familiar familiar face. Um, and get to sit this close with, with people, you know. So, it's, so I feel I feel really good right now. Good. Um, how do you feel on the and and as Ryan was in the car coming up here uh, today for this talk, the uh, review in the New York Times came out, and you can go ahead and read it later. But um, it, you couldn't ask for a better review. You've had terrific reviews. How do you feel on the eve of your film opening for you know everyday paying audiences? How does it feel after all this time you've had kind of showing the film now for six months? I mean, it's really, uh, I can't really describe it, Eugene. Like, I can tell you, like, some of the thoughts that are, that are going through my head. Um, you know, I think about when, you know, obviously I think about the, when the incident happened. Um, I think about, you know, how each step in this process was, 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 um, was surprising for me. You know, um, I never imagined, you know, I know I wanted to make a film about this. I know I, I, I figured that um, making a film about this would be something that maybe people could relate to. Regardless of their backgrounds, you know, um, thought it could maybe be something to make people think and help encourage discussion. Um, but I never thought I really, I never imagined really getting the opportunity to make it in the first place. Um, and then once once we, you know, got the film greenlit and got the film cast and those things, um, it was just a miracle that we could even finish it. You know, we were like scrapping for money and scrapping for time. Um, 
and, and once we, you know, once we wrapped, it was like, wow, we ever get to edit this thing, you know what I mean? And uh, and once we once we hit that process, it was like, wow, is anybody ever going to see it? You know what I mean? And then we found out that we were accepted into the festival. Um, and, and each time, to be honest with you, each time the film shows to, to anybody, whether it's one person watching it as a screener or whether it's um, a theater full of, you know, full of 300 people, um, it's a great victory for everybody that was involved in, in, in the process because, you know, we just wanted to get the story told and um, we just wanted to, to make something that people could, could maybe sit, sit down and have a cinematic experience and maybe see a little bit of themselves in it and maybe see a little bit of their own relationships and, and, and Oscar's relationships. And then from there, maybe that could lead to a, to, to a, to a thought process with people that, for people that watch it, whether they, whether they love the movie or whether they hate it, you know? Um, so, so it's extremely rewarding to think that, you know, it's actually gonna open up and, and, and play in, in, you know, in theaters. The, uh, the film won the, um, the Grand Jury Prize and the Audience Award at Sundance, went on to play at the Cannes Film Festival and played other places as well. Um, by being here today with Ryan, um, I want everybody to commit right now in front of Ryan to go see it this weekend. So will everybody agree to that, please? <laughs> If you, if you guys don't have enough money, just sneak in. It's cool. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> not telling you gonna kill me. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but you know, go this weekend. Seriously, the you know, for a movie like this, uh, indie film picked up by a by a cool distributor like Weinstein, um, you know, the first weekend's obviously crucial. So. Uh, Bring a friend, bring two or three friends, uh, see it this weekend. It means a lot to this movie and this kind of movie, these stories being told. Um, let's talk about what the film's about. And um, you, you referenced it in the uh, previous answer. Uh, the film comes from, and people uh, either saw it in the trailer or may know a little bit of the background, um, comes from a real incident that happened um, in the neighborhood where you grew up, or uh, where you lived. Um, tell us about the, tell, us, tell me about and tell us about um, your initial um, reaction to what happened and and when you decided to actually take that um, story and share it more widely, when you decided to actually make a movie about it. And then we'll talk about where you sort of, how you became a filmmaker in a moment too. Uh, how many of you guys know about the incident? Like with Oscar, Oscar Grant. So, okay, quite a few, some people, some people don't. Well, well um, what happened was on, on, on New Year's Eve of 2008, going into 2000, actually early morning of New Year's Day, 2009, um, uh, there, was, there, was, there was reports of a, uh, of a, of a, of a fight on, on, a, on, a, on a BART train, which is like the Bay Area version of the subway. Um, and it was in Oakland, in East Oakland, California. Um, and, and a few uh, people were pulled off that were, that, were, that were presumed to be suspects, you know, in the, in the altercation. And they were detained by the police. And while they were being detained, um, one of the one of the guys who was whose name was Oscar Grant, who was 22 years old, was uh, was shot while he was face down on the concrete and being you know restrained by another officer. Uh, he was shot in the back and, and he died, <clears throat> you know, later on that day. And um, you know, I was in, I'm from the, I'm from the Bay Area. I was born and raised there. Been there my whole life. Uh, and, and I was I was on Christmas break from film school while I was you know d during that time. Um, and I was actually working as a security guard at a. Um, at a, at a basically like a rave, you know what I mean? Like this rave in Frisco. Uh, and one of my buddies gave me a call and said, you know, somebody got shot at, the, at this bar station and um, they kind of shutting it down. The trains aren't really flowing as fast. And we didn't really know what, what happened. And, and unfortunately where we live, people, people get shot, you know, all too often. Um, but, but when we got, when I got home later on that day, word came out that this guy was, was shot by a police officer. And later on in the days following, footage was released because everybody who was on the train, um, the train was held up and people started to record. And um, you know, it's a tradition in the Bay Area, it's almost like Times Square in New York. I've never been to Times Square, but I know everybody goes there for, for New Year's Eve. Um, in the Bay Area, everybody goes, everybody goes to Embarcadero in, 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 in Frisco um, and they, they watch the fireworks burst off behind, behind the clock tower. So people, you know, fireworks are a visual thing. So people bring, bring video cameras, they bring their cell phones, you know, um, and, and, and Everybody who called Bart back when they saw what was happening with the police officers, because before Oscar was shot, he was he was he was punched a couple of times, he was kneed. Um, people started to to record the officers. So in the days following, the footage from 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 Oscar being actually shot and killed became to be broadcast on the news, and it became available on the internet on YouTube from all kinds of different angles. So I, I saw that footage when it first when it first came out when it first was released, and my initial immediate response was uh, was was shock. Um, sadness, anger, you know, um, 
I don't know how many people have seen a video of a human being being killed, you know. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, it's one of those things that 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 you never, you wish you had never seen, you know. Um, and I was the same age as Oscar. He was born the same year as me, dressed like me, looked like me on that on that grainy pixelated footage. His friends looked like my friends. Uh, oddly enough, when casting the film, I cast it with a lot of people that I grew up with, a lot of my friends. They kind of looked like his, and they fit right in. Um, so I couldn't help but to imagine, you know, me in his place. And um, what happened with the case later on was was that uh, it got it got highly politicized. Um, <clears throat> just to backtrack a bit, you know, being being an artist, when, when I'm, whenever I'm emotionally affected by something, I think about it in terms of in terms of filmmaking. Is anybody here a musician? No musicians here. When you guys are affected by stuff, you might think about making a song about it, right? Um, or any, if anybody's a cook, you know, if people that cook things that you're close to, you might want to cook things like them. Um, same thing with filmmakers. You know, we, we make we make films about we think about things that that affect us emotionally, and, and we try to process them like that. Anybody here a filmmaker? <laughs> want to be a filmmaker? Studying <laughs> filmmaking? Okay. Oh, amazing. <laughs> That's really cool to be in a room full of filmmakers, man. <laughs> Um, this is your competition eventually. Not know. even, man. It's not competition. <laughs> it's, it's, my, it's my family. Yeah. It's my, my people. <laughs> where did you... You said you were going to film school. Where, were you, where did you study? Where did you study? Uh, USC. School? I went to USC. Um, I got an MFA there. Uh, graduated in 2011. I went to UCLA, but we can still be friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I noticed you kept your eyes on me while you shook hands. Yeah, I got to work. <laughs> but, but, um... But, but so I had the idea. Like any time I see that something emotionally affects me, I think about it in, in, all, in all those terms. Um, but, but when I saw what happened afterwards, and the case got really politicized, and people were on different sides of the fence, mm -hmm. um, Oscar became whatever they whatever they wanted him to be for that, for whatever their political cause was. Um, you know, some people uh, he became a, a kind of cause celeb and this saint, this martyr. You know, um, the symbol of revolution, the symbol of fighting oppression. He was this activist that never done anything wrong in his life and was executed right there for no reason. Um, and for other people on the other side, uh, he, he, he was, Oscar was a thug, he was a criminal, he was a felon, you know, he was a scumbag, he was, he was, he wasn't a human being, you know, he was a drug dealer, you know, he wasn't a, he wasn't a person, he was a gangbanger, you know, he wasn't a father, he was just some black kid that got this girl pregnant, you know, um, and I knew he was neither one of those things, you know, he was a person, you know what I mean, and, and, and I felt like that got lost, you know, nobody was talking about the fact that, that this guy was 22, and he had people who he meant the world to, and he's never coming back to them. You know what I mean? And, and, I, and I thought that was the deepest, the deepest tragedy right there. And I see that um, lack of value for, 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 for people like myself, for people like Oscar, when they lose their lives you know, in urban violence, regardless of who's holding the trigger. Um, and I figured that making a film about, like this from those intimate relationships that everybody can relate to might, might, maybe, might maybe help the situation. So that was where the idea came from. So let's let's go backwards, and um, you and I have talked about this before, but I think it's it's a great story about sort of how you came to be a filmmaker. I found it fascinating when we talked at Sundance that you actually, uh, before you were a filmmaker, you were a football player. And tell me about the conversation you had with I think it was a counselor or someone in school. Tell us about the conversation you had that that um, led you, or it was part of leading you on this path to becoming a filmmaker, and 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 sort of what kind of creativity you were doing, you were, you were a part of before uh, making that decision. You got a good, good memory, Eugene. <laughs> How many people did you talk to that day? <laughs> <laughs> You're a memorable guy, so uh, it's, not, it's, it's a, you know. Oh, uh, man. Well, well um, yeah, I, I, I played football my whole life um, since I was like six or seven years old or something like that. And it's like that in my neighborhood. Um, maybe similar to New York, how you, people in Coney Island, either you, you're in the streets or you're playing hoop. For some people, it's both. For me, where I'm from, you know, you play you play football or or or, or otherwise, you know. Um, and I've been playing my whole life, and and and, and coming up, I was kind of like this, you know, I was kind of like this creature of two worlds, you know. I I went to I went to private school, you know, but I lived in some some of the some of the um some of the more difficult neighborhoods in the in the, in the Bay Area, so I didn't really fit in anywhere except the football field. Um, I really liked math and science. And uh, I was I, I got a football scholarship to to a, a liberal arts school called St. Mary's College in the Bay Area. And I went in there and I was you know I was I wanted to major in chemistry you know because I really like chemistry and I figured that if football didn't work out I could always go to I could always go to med school become a become a doctor. And um, that school because it was a liberal arts school they made you take these creative writing classes. So so I took this creative writing class taught by this professor who was also a novelist named Rosemary Graham. 
And uh, the first day, of, <laughs> the first day of class, we sit down and she just talks about how much she hates football players. <laughs> 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 Really? How, yeah, how football is like the most barbaric, ridiculous sport, how it should be outlawed. And I'm like, I'm like in, in front of the class, like, I, I think I want to leave, you know. <laughs> but, but, um, but, but, you know, we talked, you know, we had a little, we had a little, a little argument and we agreed to disagree at the time. And, um, and she assigned us assignment, which was, which was, um, you know, tell us about, tell me about your most emotional experience you've ever had in your life. I want you to write about it in prose and then turn it in. And, um, and I wrote about mine. I didn't think much about it. I, I wrote, I did it honestly. Um, if I, you know, if I, if I would have been thinking, I probably wouldn't have written about what I wrote about, you know what I mean? Um, but I turned it in, and I was in my dorm room hanging out with a bunch of my football teammates and people from my neighborhood, and I got a call from her on my dorm phone, and she's like, um, hey, uh, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I'm in the dorm room, and she's like, uh, I need you to come down to, to my office immediately. It's about your assignment. Uh-oh. So I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, 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 and I'm like, man, why did I write about that? <laughs> you know, so I kick everybody out of my dorm, like, you I got to go. Um, and then I and then I walk down to, to to her office, and I'm just imagining like, you know, I got an overactive imagination. I'm imagining like opening up the door and it's like the police and <laughs> and they you know and, 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 and I don't even know if, if college has a dean of discipline, but my high school did. So it's like the dean of discipline at the school, and it's her and and I'm going for this horrible meeting, and I open up the door and I go in and it's just her, you know. And she's like, sit down. <laughs> so so I go walk over and I and I sit down across from her like I'm sitting down with Eugene right now. And um, and she's like looking at me, you know those uncomfortable silences. She's like looking at me, and I'm looking back. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, and she says, uh, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I'm like, "Man, this is terrible. Like, this is gonna be, like, you know." So, so I tell her I want to be a doctor, you know. And um, and she's like, "Why?" And and where, like where I come from, if you tell somebody you want to be a doctor when you grow up, nobody asks you why. You know what I mean? They're like, "Great, <laughs> like, that's that's awesome." You know what I mean? <laughs> it is. And she, 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 was, she was like, why? And I was like, nobody ever asked me. So I'm like, huh, why, I wanna, why do I want to be a doctor? And then I, I was like, oh, I'm good, at, I'm good at math and science. And I figured you should use that if, if, you, if you're good at it. And, and what better way to use it than to help people? You know, I figured doctors can, 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 you know, can make money honestly and, and help people while you're doing it. It'd be a good, you know, positive influence on the community. You know, um, you know what's, wrong with being a, what's wrong with being a doctor? And, uh, and she was like, hmm. And then she grabbed my, my paper and she looked at it and she said, well, I read your paper. Um, and it was really, it was really visual, you know, while, while I was reading it, I felt like I was there. Um, and she said, that's actually arguably rarer than being good at math or science. Um, and you, you should consider being a writer. You know, you can, you can do the same things you're talking about, but maybe even on a, on a, on a bigger level. Um, you should maybe even consider going to Hollywood and writing screenplays, <laughs> is what she said. So I was completely weirded out at that moment. And I'm like, this lady's... What did you think when she told you? I thought that? she was crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, I didn't even know what a screenplay was, you know what I mean? And I remember looking at her, and she had all these books behind her. Like, she just had this wall of books. And I remember being, I got ADD, so I remember being, like, insanely jealous because she had so many books. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I like books, you know, well, I don't have any books, you know? Um, and and, and, and um, I, I come back to that. <laughs> but, but, but she, but she, she, um, she said... You know, I think you can, I think you should, you know, think about think about even writing screenplays. And um, and, and I and I said so. You know, I was thinking she was crazy, so I'm like, wait, so I'm not in trouble. And she's like, no, why would you be Why would you be in trouble? And I was like, all right, cool. So I was like, are, are you? And I'm like, I gotta get out of this crazy book lady's office. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, are, are we? Like, are we? Are we all good here? And she's like, yeah, that's fine. I just want to talk to you about that. You know, just think about it. So I'm like, cool. So I left, and I went back to my dorm room, and my dorm room was empty. And I was like, man, that was the weirdest conversation I ever had in my life. And um, you know, I, had to, I didn't even know what a screenplay was. I'd never seen one, you know, but I, but I remember thinking about how much I liked movies. I always liked movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I always liked to read. And then I started looking around my dorm room and all I had was like rap posters. I had no books, <laughs> you know. I, <laughs> and I, had, I had no movies. And I, and I was like, man, I like books, I like movies. I'm like, man, maybe I should start, maybe I should start like buying books and mm-hmm. like buying movies. So then, <laughs> So then I, and I was thinking about what she said about a screenplay. I'm like, maybe, maybe I should check out what one looks like. So, so I, I had $20. Uh, I hopped in, my, hopped in my car, drove to Circuit City, and, um, and I walked around the DVD section, and I found, like, this Pulp Fiction. And I said, I, I like Pulp Fiction, you know, and I, and, and I picked it up, and it was a special edition, and it had, um, it had a CD-ROM with the screenplay mm-hmm. built into it. Mm-hmm. So I was just, it, was, it was like $17.99, so I'm like, it's perfect. You know, I could buy this, went back to the dorms, popped the CD-ROM in, 
and show my first screenplay for the, and it was like, I don't know, man, it was like, um, I don't know, it, was, it reminded me of the first time I stepped on the football field and hit somebody, you know what I mean? I feel like I was at home, you know what I mean? Uh, so so, so I, I looked at it and I opened up Microsoft Word and I thought the formatting was kind of kind of weird. So I started trying to like ape the formatting in, in Microsoft Word and I started to write, you know, I write my, started to write my first screenplay, you know, that night. And, um, and I, st I stayed up to really late in the morning and I started to do it every day. Like, like I'll find myself like leaving the weight room, like I gotta go back and get on that, you know, get on that script. And, um, I, you know, I realized that I really, really loved, really loved to do it, and I, that that professor is like one of my closest friends wow. to this day. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, and you you were saying that she um, she complimented you on your ability to write a very visual story. I think everybody in the audience would agree that you have the ability to also tell a very visual story because I I could visualize much of what you were saying, <laughs> and it's really great. So that's that's a really great story. Thank you for sharing it with us. Uh, <laughs> I want to um, I want to watch a few clips from the film, um, and in a few minutes I want to get some questions from the audience as well. Um, let's watch. Uh, so this is a signal to the booth to get the first clip ready. Uh, the first clip. Um, let's take a look at it, and then we'll talk about it. Actually, let's just take a look at the first clip from Fruitvale Station. Is it easy for you to watch your movie now? No. A lot of directors say that they they see all the things that they see the things in the scene that none of us see, where you wish you had done something differently, or you, is that what you? Absolutely. You, mm -hmm. yeah. um, let's use that clip as a way to talk about the casting of the film. Let's talk about so we're flashing forward, obviously, a long way from that conversation with your teacher at school. Um, so you're making this movie, and um, obviously, a key <clears throat> component of it is the casting. And I think you've done a great job with the casting. Tell us how you found these two actors and why they made sense. Um, tell us about, in addition to that, um, how you developed a relationship with them. This is your first feature, so developing that kind of bond, that trust, that relationship with these two actors uh, on the set. Oh, man, um, <clears throat> I think that. Uh I mean, I think that that, that this film uh, was really, really dependent on casting, you know. And I knew that from the moment that I started to write the script, um, I knew that especially the, the film would live or die by who we casted as Oscar. You know, um, we need the best actor possible. Um, it's, it's, it's a film where, you know, if you see the film, um, the, the characters on screen, ninety-eight percent of the movie, you know, like not, like something like eighty percent of the film is his face, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it was very important because because uh, the relationship between the audience and that and that character is 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 really what drives the film. Um, so so when writing this when writing the script, I was trying to figure out who who we would go out to for for, for Oscar, and um, I knew we needed somebody who I'm being I'm from, I'm from the Bay Area, and in the Bay Area we all know what Oscar Grant looks like, you know um, you know his image is kind of burned into our burned into our psyche. The rest of the world might not, but but, but we knew that, and I wanted to be true to you know, be true to myself and true to the true to the community. Um, so I needed somebody who who, who who resembled him in some some way, shape, or form? I needed a phenomenal actor because uh, so much time was spent on this character, and this, and this character was was really dynamic. He had to be different people at different times, um, you know. Oftentimes in the same, oftentimes in a, in a few minutes, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and and being young and black is kind of like that, you know. We kind of have to move around as chameleons in many ways, you know. Just to, just so we so we so we fit in when we with our friends, we fit in when we out in the street, so we fit in when we in um, professional environments, you know. Um, and Oscar was. Oscar was an extreme example of that um, from, from his personality. Um, and I needed someone, you know, we wouldn't have a lot of money, we would shoot really rapidly, really fast. So it would be great to have somebody who, who had experience, and had experience moving fast. I mean, there's no production schedule that, that's, that's faster than a television schedule. So I was thinking, maybe it would be great to get somebody who's done a lot of TV. Um, and when I went down that check, I also wanted somebody who was young. You know, I wanted somebody who knew what it was like to be 22 in this, in this day and age. Um, and when I went down that checklist, it was really only Mike, you know, um, and, and Mike was somebody who had played supporting characters so often, and so often I'll watch him as a supporting character, and I wish the camera would, would stay with him, you know. Um, I'd be like, man, I want to follow, follow that guy. I want to see what, when it was The Wire, I want to see what Wallace is doing right now, you know. Um, and when it's Friday Night Lights, man, I wish I, wish, I wish I was with Vince, you know, I don't care about this other stuff. Um, and, you know, he, he and, and so I had Mike in mind as I was writing the script. There was no audition process for Oscar. For me, it was always get the script the best I could get it, and then get it to Michael B. Jordan and see if he wants to do it. You know, and um, unfortunately enough, 
you know, he he, he did. And for me, um, as a director, your most important jo- the most important job that you have is to be there for your is to be there for your actors. You know, you got to be there for everybody else um, as well. But you know, the actors are the vehicle that the, that the audience rides through the movie on. You know, and when they're on set, it's really nobody that has their back but you. You know, like they, they can't turn to the person holding the camera and say, "How was that? You know, how was that performance?" You know, it's, it's it's all you. So I knew my working relationship with Mike would be very. It had to be had to have a great foundation. So I wanted to meet him first to make sure that we could work together. Mm-hmm. And when we met, you know, I fell in love with him within the first, you know, what I mean, thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. And um, thankfully, he said yes. Um, Melanie, uh, who you guys saw in that clip, who plays Mike, Mike's uh, who plays Oscar's girlfriend, Sophina, um, and, and both characters are based on a real person. But but unfortunately, Oscar's not here with us anymore because um, he was killed. Um, Sophina's still around. You know, um, and I had met with Sophina and talked with her. You know, she's a living, breathing person, a very special person. Um, met with her daughter, um, who, who's, who's very young and wise, but also um, has an incredible youthfulness to her and a passion. You know, and it's very Bay Area. You know, um, so it's very important that we got a, that we got an actress who 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 can play that. And Sophina's very reserved. You know, um, and it has a lot of fire on the inside. Sometimes it comes through. You know, um, but I needed someone who could capture that. And we we actually started the audition for Sophina's in in, in L. A. And through the Sundance Institute, who supported me through the feature film program, they, they rec- started to recommend Melanie. Um, my agent, Craig Castell, started to recommend Melanie. And, uh, and eventually, I started to look at her, like, rewatch her work. And I got really excited. So then um, we, we reached out to her, sent her the script, and I got the chance to Skype with her. She was here in New York, mm-hmm. um, where, she's, where she's from. And I was back in the, in, the, in the Bay. So we Skyped a bunch of times and just talked about the character and talked about each other, personal lives. And, mm-hmm. and then we offered her the part. And um, both her and Mike. Uh, we got supported by the San Francisco Film Society, mm-hmm. and they have a program called Off the Page mm-hmm. that actually flew uh, Melanie and Mike out to the Bay Area mm-hmm. so they could spend some time, get the script on his feet, and I could take them around different spots in the Bay and take them to meet Sophina, meet Oscar's friends, meet Tatiana, mm-hmm. you know, um, and really start to get down a lot of the Bay's speech patterns and, 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 and a lot of the culture, you know, that, that's different from New York where they're both are, where they both are from. Yeah. Um, I wanted to look at one more clip before we get to questions from the audience. So let's uh, look at the second clip. It's called Pulled Off the Train. Uh, let's take a look and then we'll talk about it. You talked about the idea of um, being a chameleon and that comes up a lot in this film, not only in the way that we see Oscar interact with people in his daily life, whether that be the relation, the interactions he has at work or, or at the at the store, I guess, uh, or on the street or with his friends, um, but it, you're also, I think, you're also playing with that idea for the audience because the audience is watching this guy who we're seeing him in different environments. We're seeing him in intimate environments with his daughter, with his wife, or with his, you know, with with Safina. We're seeing him in in. Um, in jail, we're seeing we're seeing him in so many different environments, and you're you're challenging the audience to question how they what they think he is, what how they would define him. So tell me about um, how you sort of navigate or manipulate in certain ways as a storyteller those expectations, because I think you're doing that throughout the movie. But again, on screen with the other characters, and also for the audience themselves. Wow, that's really insightful. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that for, for, for me, um, I always found people to be gen- generally um, products of their environments, you know. Um, and, and that was a that was a somewhat of a motif in this in this film. Um, and Oscar's a different person depending on wherever he's at, you know, like we all are. But he was, like I said, he was an exaggerated version of that. And and, and on this day, he moves in and out of different types of environments. So, and, and for us, we define those environments as, as, um, as either, either natural, you know, in the natural environments where when Oscar was around water, um, mm-hmm. domestic, um, domestic environments when Oscar was, 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 in, was in, you know, in, in, in his home, you know, with his, with his, in his own home or in his, in his grandmother's house, you know, um, or in Sofina's, you know, grandmother's house. Um, and we define them as institutional, you know, in the institutional environments are where Oscar has the most trouble, mm-hmm. you know, in this, in this, in this film. Um, and what we wanted to do was shoot actually in the real locations. You know, we wanted to, l- to let those environments kind of impact um, not only the actors but the cast and the crew and everybody that was moving in and out of those, mm-hmm. uh, in and out of those environments. 
um, the institutional environments that Oscar goes goes up against in this day, or or, or his job, um, uh, the Bart tr transit system. You know, um, we see Oscar in prison. You know, um, and, and we see Oscar in, go to the hospital. You know, um, and <clears throat> like I said, it, it, like uh, being a chameleon, he, Oscar puts on a shell in these different places. Mm -hmm. And as an audience, we also get to see him move through, get to move through those different places. And, it's, and it was always so interesting to me because, I mean, I know how African-American males are, are so often depicted in media. And I'm one myself, you know I mean? I wouldn't consider myself an expert, you know what I'm mean? being, I'm being a young African-American male. Um, and you wouldn't consider yourself an expert? Yeah, I, I would actually. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 um. But I know what you mean. Yeah, no, it's interesting in, in what environments we're often shown in in media. You know, um, it's very rare that you see us in domestic environments. You know, um, it's very rare that you see us in a restroom or or or, or, or in a kitchen. You know what I mean? With our families. You know, mm -hmm. and, and all of all of us have families. All of us spend time in domestic in, domestic environments. Um, the environments that you often see us in are the industrial ones. You see us outside on the street. You know, you see us incarcerated. You know what I mean? You see us um, in those types of places. So it is something that I wanted to that I wanted to play with. You know what I mean? And see and see Oscar moving in and out of those, and and let the audience move in and out of those as well. And, and struggling see, in each of those environments. Yeah, exactly. He's not home in any of those environments. Um, and that was something that we talked about with, with, with Mike. Like oftentimes the domestic environment where you would think you're safe, you know, those environments are what drive are what drive him to make to make certain mistakes. You know what I mean? That that, that drive to want to provide for the people that he loves. Mm -hmm. uh, that drive to wanna to wanna protect the people that he loves and, and, and um and not be honest with them for fear of letting them down. Um and and you know, we had the natural environments in the Bay Area, you know, I think our culture is, is just like I mean it's funny, just like New York's culture, like I would say that the New Yorkers are extreme products of their environment. You guys are products of being located by the Atlantic Ocean and being a port city where all types of immigration, you know, bumps off of different people. You guys have this incredible transit system where, you know, no matter if you work on Wall Street or if you're a bum that's homeless, you know, you get on the same train and hug up, hug up next to each other. So <laughs> whether we like it or not, <laughs> whether you like it or not, and, 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 and no matter how wealthy you are, you walk past this trash that I've discovered is oftentimes holds rats, you know, <laughs> that kind of. I kind of jump out and scare it, scare it, scare you a little bit every once in a while. Um, but 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 New Yorkers have this have this seen it all, done it all, very knowledgeable, worldly mentality. Um, and the Bay Area is also our culture kind of comes from comes from our environment. Being being in a, you know we're the only Mediterranean climate uh, in, in 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 the country, and, and mm -hmm. our weather can change at the drop of a hat. And just like our just like everything can be all good on the train, and it can go bad in the drop mm -hmm. of a hat. You know, um, in the Bay Area, and we tend to be real laid back and relaxed. And, and, and kind of calm like our like our water, mm -hmm. but sometimes it can get it can get really treacherous. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so and we also have a really diverse location. We are a port city as well. You know, we're close mm -hmm. to pe different different all types of different types of languages spoken and mm -hmm. cultural groups and people mm -hmm. you know mix in with each other. You know, mm -hmm. um, so 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 that that was what I wanted to wanted to explore. That's great. That's great. I wanna I wanna switch gears because I wanna make sure we get the audience a chance to ask questions. So if you do have a question, not only raise your hand but wait for the microphone. So we'll start here in the front row, um, and we'll get to as many questions as we can. Thank you. Uh, first of all, Ryan, I just wanna say thank you. I'm from East Oakland, 79 to MacArthur, and I like to see our coach. To see our coach on the screen, like it really touches this really deep burning sensation in my heart. Um, this morning slash afternoon, the prosecution delivered their address for the Trayvon Martin George Zimmerman trial. And uh, I just wanted to hear your views on, you know, how do you grapple with the fact that something like this is still happening in our day and age to young black males? And how do you, uh, how do you take something that's so negative and makes you despair at night? And how do you try to find some beauty in that? That's an intense question, man. Um, and for all y'all that don't know, 79th and MacArthur is an intense place. <laughs> um, but, but, but I mean, t to be honest, like, like what I find is for some people, some, some people will sit, will sit here and say what's going on with Trayvon Martin isn't depressing and it doesn't sadden them and it doesn't affect them, but it, it affects you and it depresses you and it saddens you because I think you know that Trayvon had love in his life, and Trayvon had potential in his life, you know what I mean? And he had good things in his life, 
And you're saddened by the fact that that comes to an end and people are re 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 reacting to, the way, to, to it the way that they are. Um, I mean, I think whenever, wherever there's great sadness, you know what I mean, there also has to be love there as well. Um, you know, I, I, love the, I love the Bay Area. This was one of the darkest events that, 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 that's happened in my, in my, in my home. Um, but for me, the film wasn't about, wasn't about sadness. It was about, it was about love, you know, um, and the devastation that came from Oscar's loved ones, you know, it, it came because they loved him so much, you know what I mean? And they miss him, you know what I mean? He made them happy when he was, when he was, when he was around, you know? Um, so I think that, I think that it's two sides of the same, of the same coin, you know what I mean? And as a filmmaker, I try to, you know, I try, I try to, I try to find, you know, I try to find the, um, the, the happiness in the, in the, in the, and the darkness and the sadness, and try to see how we how we can grow from you know how we can grow from that. I mean, it's a million Americans that don't see Trayvon's potential. They look at him and they see him as a thug that got what he deserved, even though he's a 17 year old boy that can't that couldn't even vote yet. You know what I mean? Who had never had never been arrested, never had a criminal record. You know. Um, and my question is, why is that? Why do people look at him and see that? You know, um, we know we look at him and see something else. You know, we look at him and see us. You know. Dude, one more question in the front row, and we'll work our way back. Um, well, the town biz. <laughs> Any case, um, what I wanted to ask you, you know, I know about your family. I'm good friends with your uncle, Buzz, or Clarence. Okay. Clarence. He has an uncle named Clarence Thomas, but they call him the real Clarence Thomas because he's one of the leading figures of the IOWU Local 10 Longshoremen that shut the port down in support of Mumia Abu-Jamal, shut the port down in support of Oscar, too, and his family. And so, and also, he was an organizer uh, in the 1968 San Francisco uh, college strike with Danny Glover. And so, what I wanted to ask you is, has that family background, that history, has that impacted you or influenced you, the lens that you look at things through, like particularly the Oscar Grant event, how has that influenced you, if at all? Um, you, you, you asking if, if, um, if my family background um, has influenced my, my life and, and my art? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the best way I can answer that. Um, I think everybody's does. Maybe know? the question is also how. How? How do, you, how do you sort of, you know, yeah. got it? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, my... I'm, I'll put it to you like this, man. My, my, he's talking about my uncle Buzz, my mom's eldest brother. My mom's eldest brother is, uh, he's in his 60s. And I don't know many 60-year-old black men where I'm from. You know, um, a, lot of the, a lot of us don't get, to, don't get to see that age, you know, for whatever reason. And my uncle is an incredible, incredible man in person. You know what I mean? He has, has impacted, um, his impact is radiated. And I mean, his, this man is standing here 3,000 miles away from where my uncle lives, and he's talking about him. Um, and, and, and just, you know, my dad is still alive, 52. My dad does, doesn't have many friends that he grew up with. That's, that's, that's not dead or in jail. Um, and my dad has impacted my life. So, so, so it's interesting, in our community, um, it, has a, it has influenced me to, like, to, to, to see um, what people like us can do when our potential is allowed to be reached. You know what I mean? Um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, sure does. Hey, what's up? Um, I'm a filmmaker, too, um, and I'm currently writing a story about my neighborhood and people and places and the humanism in my neighborhood. I'm from Harlem, by the way. Well, I'm from the Bronx, but I live in Harlem. That's pretty much where I call home. And as someone who, who's written a story, written a screenplay, and then made a film about your neighborhood and not just what people see in your neighborhood, you mentioned the domestic and the institutionalized places, but giving people the full spectrum and giving people the full realization of the human beings, good or bad, being both that they were in there. How, what do you feel like is the best advice to really make a true story from your heart about the people and places that you know so well? Yeah, I, I think, um, let me just, just say that a lot of my favorite films are done by people making, making movies about their own community. You know, um, I was with my buddies last night. We were walking around New York asking each other like what our favorite New York movies were. You know, and, um, and it was funny because they were all made by New Yorkers. You know, um, and I think, that, I think that my best advice to you would be 
you know, for number one, I, I can't wait to see your movie when it's made, you know, because I, I wish I could spend more time in Harlem, but I can't. But I'm, but I'm gonna be counting on you and your film to give me a, to give me that portal, you know, to give me that, to give me that trans, that transportation there while I'm watching it. Um, I think what you should do is just sit down and think and ask yourself why. You just told me you love Harlem, but why do you love it? You know what I mean? What is it about Harlem that you love? And start there, you know. Um, and, and then once you once you get that down, and and I, and I can tell you that it'll be it'll be really quantifiable things if you think about it long enough, and you just want to capture you know capture those things when you make your when you make your movie. Thank you. Um, as a retired teacher, I put myself in the shoes of the teacher that it gave you insight into your ability. Do you have any um, way of contacting her in, so that she can probably know how much you have done from the time that she gave you the talk? Yeah, she, she's she's one of my best friends. I talk to her probably every couple of days. Oh, you know? beautiful. Yeah. Okay, beautiful. <laughs> I'm happy about that. Okay. Uh, thank you. Um, has Oscar's family been able to view the, the film in like his neighborhood? Y yes. Have they gotten like closure from it, from his story being told on this scale and to be recognized in, in such a revered way? Like, how do they feel about it after seeing it and viewing it? Is it like a happy moment for them? I think um, I think it's a, I think it was a complex moment for them. They they've been incredibly kind in their comments about the film, and they said the most the most incredibly supportive things about that about the actors and their performances, you know, which 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 moved me very much. Um, but it's complex. I mean, in terms of closure, you know, I don't know if a film can be something that can provide somebody closure. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I've lost enough. I lost enough friends to know that nothing closes that that whole, you know. Um, how, however, um, I think that they're that they're. Um, what his mom, what his what his mom what his mom told me and Michael was that she 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 um. She's happy that that. People who would have never known about this subject matter um, can, can learn about it through this film and, and maybe be touched by this by this film, you know, um, in ways that they couldn't be be be, be, be touched otherwise. And that's what his, that's what his mom said. But to answer your question, you know, most most of his friends and family have seen it. We did play it back um, back in the Bay Area. Um, the only person that hasn't seen it yet is is is, is, is Sophina, and, and Sophina hasn't even Sophina's his, his girlfriend. She hasn't even seen the, the footage, you know. Um, and that's how that's how she feels about it. You know, having been there that day, uh, and Tatiana's too young to see her already movie, so so I'm making sure she doesn't she doesn't see it. You know, to 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 um to, to the time is right. And wanna, there's well, there's one thing you want to take from this. What would it be from the film? If it's one thing I want somebody to take from the film, what would it be? Yeah. Um, I I just hope that people will would, would, would see a little bit of themselves in the characters and see a little bit of their own personal relationships. You know, in Oscars relationships, and leave a film thinking. You know, I want to do uh, go to the back first, and then we'll come back to you. Sorry, just because I want to include someone from the back of the room. So uh, let's go here, happening? and then we'll come down. It's okay. Go ahead. Uh, Hold on to the microphone. We'll do it next. Yeah, man, I, I've seen it. It's really, really great. You did a great job, and I really hope you get the success you deserve. And so is the movie. Oh, thank you, man. Um, but my question is, I saw when I saw the movie it was called Fruitvale. Now it's called Fruitvale Station. So my question is, why the change in title? Ah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the title, the title change came up out of a collaboration between between us and the Weinstein Company. You know, they, they acquired the film. Uh, they're a really passionate distributor, and um, you know, it's their job to to get the film out into the public. You know, and there was some there was some concern that they had that 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 that, that title might be too arbitrary. Um, so we so we collaborated and, and, and came to a, came to an agreement on um, on the title that 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 it, that it has now, and everybody's everybody's um, everybody's proud of it. Uh, hi, uh, congratulations first on your success and thank you for inspiring us all. Oh, thank uh, you. My question is, because this is apparently your first feature movie, and can you speak about more about how you financed it, how you get all these big names involved in it? Because <laughs> it's a tough process, I guess. Everybody would be interested in hearing about this. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I can tell you how my situation worked out but I'm um, just knowing knowing a lot of filmmakers and knowing a lot of first-time filmmakers. No, no two stories are ever the same. You know, they're always they're always different. But but for me, um, in terms of financing, um, right, right before I finished up film school, uh, 
Forrest Whitaker's production company was looking for, for, for filmmakers to mentor and, and, and become involved with, and my name came up. Um, so I sat down and met with, with Nina Yang, Bon Jovi, and Forrest and talked to them about some projects that I wanted to do. Um, they watched my short films that I had done in film school, and I told them about this project, and they got really enthusiastic about it. And so they, so they came up with, with the majority of the financing for it, um, and then we were supported by a couple of nonprofits, uh, the Sundance uh, Institute, as well as the San Francisco Film Society, who kicked in, um, who kicked in uh, grants that, that, that enabled us to you know, finish the film out as well. And um, I think having Forrest really helped with a lot of things, you know, um, and, and, I, and I have an agent that, 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 that I signed with after the Sundance Labs right before we shot, and he helped out with a lot of casting as well. I know we were supposed to only go till seven, but I think we have another six, seven, eight, eight minutes. Um, so let's do, let's do a few more questions, and then, and then we'll let Ryan get on his way. So, um, who's, so we have the microphones here, and then we'll go, we'll go here and then here. Sorry, hold on one second. Um, Ladies first. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had the privilege of seeing it at the NBR screening, and I wanted to say that... Um, it had like a profound, uh, like it had a profound impact on me. Um, not just the story, but your vision as a director. Um, and you know, I have a lot of insecurities going from undergrad straight to grad film. And so I wanted to know from you, what do you think um, are the disadvantages and advantage of advantages of being so young and kind of being in a space where people are, you know, the average age at film school is 25, you're coming in as like a 22 year old and you're trying to come out and make a feature and everyone's like, you're two. So can you tell me about kind of like what you think were your advantages and disadvantages when you were trying to pitch it and then when you were actually on set? Because I, I kind of remember saying, you didn't know what you were doing and I never know what I'm doing when no, I'm making no, my nobody film. Nobody does. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I really don't. I really don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing right here, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been reading IndieWire since forever. I don't even feel like I should be like within five feet of this dude, yeah. you know. But 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 but, I mean, like like mo most things that you would view as as disadvantages, I kind of learned this in football. You can always lose, use them to your advantage, you know. Um, because because you're young, you have more energy than somebody that's 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 older. You don't, I, I, I imagine you don't have a family to support. You know, I'm, I'm guessing. Okay, cool. That's another. <laughs> that's, that's another. That's another huge advantage. You know, like you can work. You can work nonstop. You know what I mean? Like a lot of my a lot of my classmates that were older. You know, they have families, man. Like, like I'll be grinding on, on the Avid, and they're like, I gotta like, go pick up my kid. And I'm like, shit. You know what I mean? Like, oh, excuse my, excuse my language. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, darn. <laughs> no, but, 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 like, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine, um, you know, uh, like, just, just, just like, just like, um, just like being. Being older has its advantages. Being younger has its, has its advantages. So, so anytime somebody tells you it's a disadvantage, you know, like charge charge on the head. And to be honest with you, nobody ever referred to my age. Well, every once in a while, somebody somebody might, but but more often than not, people refer to my age as as a, as a good thing. You know what I mean? It's it's um, and I think you gotta just embrace it and just and just and just go. You know, just don't 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 worry about it. And what really makes a difference is experience. You know. Like like working hard on 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 a, on a film and, and getting a lot of work under your belt, you know, matters more. P people people don't give people movies because they haven't made a film before, not because they're too young, you know. But once you've made a few things, you know what I mean. People don't don't care how old you are, you know what I mean. If that makes sense. Hi. Go over to the guy up here. Hi, how you doing? My name is Damon Daniels. I'm a graduate student as well as a worker at a public policy think tank. And my question for you is a question about perspective. You mentioned earlier that one of the take-home points of the of, um, of Michael B. Jordan's role was that you couldn't really get a, a clear sense or a distinct sense of who Oscar Grant was. And so in terms of perspective, do you have, were there any keystone messages that you wanted to convey to communities of color versus non-communities of color, or were the messages the same? Uh, were there anything in terms of the type of lens with respect to African Americans that you wanted to convey in the film? That's a, that's a deep question. Um, I think that for me, I, I wanted to make a film that was that was specific, you know, um, specific to the Bay Area. Specific. It was about a specific incident, you know, based on uh, specific people's lives, um, and and some of those characters happen to be. You know, happen to be African American. You know what I mean. Um, but what I hoped is that 
the relationships and the themes that our film was about, our themes were, were, were really based in humanity, you know what I mean? And, 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 and in relationships and, and what the most important relationships in Oscar's life, life was. And um, he happened to be somebody who was defined by his relationship with his mom, his relationship with his girl, his relationship with his daughter, you know, and his relationship with his friends. There, there isn't an ethnicity in the world that, that, that can relate to that. You know, everybody knows it's like to have a mom. Everybody knows it's like to have somebody that they that they romantically involved with. You know, most people know what it's like to have a kid. So, so, I, so I figured that um that all of those themes and all of those all of those messages, and especially the internal ones. You know, Oscar was somebody who was, you know, he was 22. People know what it's like to be people know what it's like to be young and, and not having not having things sorted out. Um, and he was struggling with a lot of issues in, in his in his own personal life. Um, and people know what that's like. You know, no matter what ethnicity you are, you can substitute. Things. You know, for Oscar, he, he couldn't. He, he had trouble stopping doing things that would get him arrested. You know what I mean? Some people struggle with with um with drinking too much, or some people struggle with working too much. You know what I mean? Some people are addicted to food. You know, and um and, and some days they want to kick it. Some days they some days they, they they delving into it. So I hope that people could relate to to, to Oscar and see themselves in, in him, regardless of what he looked like. You know, and relate to his relationships, and um and all of our themes and and and, and, and we're tied into those things. Let's go to um, folks in the back over here. Hi. Hey, uh, thanks, Ryan, for everything. Um, I, I really, I really, I have a football background too, and I cannot diverge off into the arts, so I really relate to that. Um, That's awesome, man. You know, um, Marshawn Lynch, favorite running back from, uh, you know, so you Oak Town. You from, you from, you know. the, uh, you from, you from I'm, I'm actually, I'm from Baltimore, so. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah, yeah, so I, I, yeah. I, I relate. Um, my question is, Talk about screenwriting and and how you got into it. How do you? What was the driving force to make to 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 make you want to show this thing, um, specifically from a viewpoint of seeing the full person? Like what 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 was what was the, the what made you go that route? As far as like showing his complete person as opposed to how we how. How one, how we may view a person like, like Oscar, like Trayvon, in one light, and how another set of people might view him in, in, in another light. What, what was what was that defining moment to make you, you know, show a, a three sixty, a complete view of of, of Oscar? Um, I thank, thank you. What's your name, man? My name is Brett. Brett, Brett. Biggs. I thanks, Brett. Um. So your question is like, what was? What, why did I choose to want to show Oscar as a fool? Yeah, yeah. Well, like when 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 writing the script, like what. Just what made you? What what was your defining moment of how do I show this? Like how 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 do I go about this? How you know? Well, well I, I mean, I, I'm I'm the I watch a lot of movies. You yeah. know, and as a kid coming up, I read a lot and watch a lot of TV. Yeah. And I and I always found um, uh, when 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 people were portrayed as like when people were portrayed as shallow one-sided characters, yep. I always found it harmful. Yeah. You know, um, and and, and growing up. Uh, you know, I work in juvenile hall. You know, back in back in San Francisco as a counselor, and um, and I talk to kids oftentimes um, that that are involved that are involved in, in urban conflict. You know, um, and you'll talk to you talk to kids that 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 are in jail for shooting another kid from from, from across the street, and you say, man, why you know why you why did you do that? You know, he was because he was from over there. You know what I mean? And and they, and how he sees people from over there, he doesn't see them as full human beings. Yeah, he sees them as. You know, those are the people that shot my cousin. You know what I mean? Those people do this. They say they say these things. They do that kind of stuff. So therefore, they deserve this type of treatment when I see them. You know, and I feel like th that that lack of grasp of humanity of of of, somebody, of people that's 360 degree human beings. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, especially in media, because so often media is the only contact that 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 people have with, especially with people like Oscar. You yeah. know what I mean? Somebody who grows up in an area that's all white, they don't get to see people like Oscar. At all, you know what I mean. Let alone come into their homes and see how they interact with their with that with their families. So their only contact with them is through the media. Yeah. And so what if that what if that media is always one sided? What if it only shows them as doing you know one particular thing, you know, one particular way? How do they see those human beings when they deal with them? You know what I mean in certain circumstances. Mm. You know, so so I I never wanted to be somebody who contributed to to, to making f flat characters. You know what I mean as a, as an artist. You know yeah. regardless of who the, who the characters were. We're almost out of time. The woman uh, next to you had a question. We'll try to get a couple more in. Uh, brief question, brief answer, and then we'll get a couple more in. Uh, I just want to congratulate you on finishing your film and your success, and thank you for putting this out. I have two younger brothers, and so 
I struggle with worrying for their safety on a day-to-day -day basis because I know as black males, they have to navigate differently than I do. I don't have to worry about the stresses of leaving the house as they do. And um, just a quick question. I wanted to know if you would mind exchanging info with me. I would like to collaborate with you in the future um, if you're ever looking for a still photographer. Thanks for your, thanks for your kind words. Should we talk? We only have a few minutes. Uh, we'll, this guy's had his hand up for a while, so I want to give you a chance. And then we'll try and get a couple other folks. Um, the guy with the hat, New Yankee hat, and then did you have a question? Um, just, just quick, curious. Quick question, quick yeah, answer. Yeah, just curious. What, what's next for you since you know, you, you're getting, like, you know, picking up some steam and success uh, with this film? What's next in terms of a uh, film project? What are you working on next? Oh, I'm, I'm, working, on a, I'm working on a few things. Um, uh, right, <clears throat> and I'm hoping that I can find something that 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 means as much to me as as as, as this does. You know, I'm, uh, I have a, I have a project that's that's um I'm just writing. I don't know if anybody will let me make a movie again. <laughs> I think they will. But but yeah, <laughs> of but course they will. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's about a, it's about a, it's about a high school football player in the Bay Area. You know, uh, Yankee hat. Oh, thank you. Hey man, good seeing you. Haven't seen you since uh, it premiered at Sundance. Congratulations on all the success. Oh, what's up, bro? Yeah, what's happening? What's happening? Um, <laughs> question I wanted to ask, though. First of all, I wanted to say thank you for using your independent resources, your intellectual brain power, to come up with a necessary film. And you, um, with the current climate, with the Trayvon, 74 people getting shot in Chicago over the July 4th weekend, what kind of conversation do you want people to have? after seeing this film? I mean, I, I, I mean for me, for me, it's, uh, the, the, the biggest issue that I have is, 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 is that there's a lack of, of, a lack of value on particular people's lives, you know? Um, and I think it's, it's something that's, that's, that's internal, especially amongst young African-American males. It's internal as well as it is external, you know? So, so, um, so if, if if people can come away from this, like I said, seeing a little bit of themselves in, in, in Oscars, seeing a little bit of their relationships in Oscars relationships, and it can lead to a thought process. Um, and, it can, and if they can come away from it thinking about what, what's the value of human life, you know, um, I think it should, all, it should all be looked at equally, you know what I mean? Too often it's not. We're way over time. Last word, <laughs> right here. Yeah, Sorry. I just wanted to tell you, I, this is the first summer talk that I've been to, and I wanted to come and hear you talk about your film. I'm sorry. I'm a 58-year-old black woman, and I've watched black men die all my life, and by the police, too. So I didn't think I'd be able to see your film. I am going to go to be supportive. Uh, I, I think it's important that you're making a film that involves us as human beings because, you know, we're the ones that, that have to make these films and, and very often they, they don't get financed because it's not the way we're seen. And I know this from speaking to older filmmakers who said, well, they wouldn't finance it because they said black people don't do that. So thank you for wanting to make this film. I'll go see it, even though I know I'm going to be crying. <laughs> and I just want to ask what the budget was and your format that you shot in. Are you from New York? <laughs> Southern California. Southern California. Southern California. Um, that's got to be the best Q and A. Uh, thank you for your comments, for real. Um, we, we sh our, our budget was our budget was uh, under a million dollars, um, and our shooting format was um, 
Oh my gosh, she went on my one of my uh, classmates sitting behind you. I'm sorry, I got ADD. Um, our, 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 our shooting our shooting format our shooting format was Super 16. Um, we shot with the Aerie 416 Super 16 camera. It was from Aerie CSC right here in New York. We shot on Kodak film stock. Stock called 7219. It's a 500 tungsten stock. So Nick, <laughs> Fruitvale Station opens tomorrow. It's a it is an emotional film. Um, Ryan Coogler is a very talented uh, filmmaker, and, and you all gave him your word, as hard as it might be to watch the movie. Um, it's also, there's a lot of beauty in this movie, and you all gave him your word that you would go see it this weekend. So you got to hold true to that promise. Thank, thank you guys so 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 very much for coming and for sharing um, sharing your thoughts and asking your questions. It means it means the world um, to, to to me. It really does. Um, and I hope all of you filmmakers, man, go out and make movies. I can't wait to watch them. <laughs> thank you, Ryan, for spending some extra time with us here. Thank, thank you, Eugene. Yeah. Close Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Nick Kemp and Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C.org. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here.